This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thanks, pal. Thank you so much, Val. That's brilliant. So lovely uh, to see you all uh, today. Let's bow our heads and let's say a prayer. Lord God, we are thankful that you're here today. Thank you that you love us. Thank you uh, that you're here with us. Thank you that you want to say things into our life. You might have done it already. And we just pray, Lord, that you would be ministering to us as a community, that you would be speaking to us as a community and that we would have a story with you right at the heart of it. So thank you, Lord, and please, now, we just ask you to minister uh, to us in Jesus' name. Amen. So it's brilliant having Andy lead the service, because he uh, is so organised and straight-thinking. He tells us uh, what's going on, and he's already told us all about uh, Refocus November. So thank you uh, so much. much for doing that. For me, Refocus November is a reminder of uh, what is valuable uh, to us as a community. It's about uh, coming together for a couple of, I'm going to say months together, uh, but Advent and Christmas will be a bit different, so it's going to change a bit in in December, and watch this space, and I'll tell you more about it as November goes on, but it's about coming together for a couple of months to pray and think and work things out, just to try and gain a sense of God's voice uh, for uh, our community, and uh, I think it's important because Downstairs, you might have got my email. I don't know how many people read Friday emails. I'm going to check the statistics because I can look very carefully and see. I, I see one hand at the back. But, but I've only had four, four replies to the Doodle poll about decorating. Anyway, um, so lots of you feeling guilty now, thankfully. Um, but we're going to be redecorating. We're going to be doing stuff. And things are going to, more possibilities are going to be available uh, to us. And so it's a chance for us just to take stock as we really try and engage with the community and be the community we think God has called us to be. I like to think of this as a time of renewal. It's always good to stop and uh, refocus and try to understand uh, what we're about. And renewal, I think, is an important word uh, for the church. I met a friend of mine, haven't seen uh, for 20-odd years, called Phil Knott. He's he's got the most terrible title for any uh, vicar. Uh, in, in England. He's, he's the vicar of Aston. You wouldn't want to... Uh, would you want that job, Ali? Uh, personally not. No, personally not. It's, it's just uh, uh, Aston Parish. And in his uh, um, parish is the Aston Villa football ground. And he's chaplain to Aston Villa. So I don't really know why I'm telling you this story because they're not good, good at all. But I was talking to him and he was just saying, why is it everyone bangs on about revival? Why do they, they talk about revival? Because re- revival is about harking to the past and looking to the past. And when it happens, it never seems to last long. He goes, I'm all about renewal because I want to see what new things God is going to do. Now, I don't want to set up a competition between revival and renewal. You might be into revival and I'm into that and you might be into renewal. I'm into that. But it, it, this is about renewal, what we're trying to do. We're, we're about what new things are God, uh, is God doing. And uh, Jenny and I are so grateful uh, that you let us go on the 24-7 conference last week, which is the order of the mustard seed, which we're a part of, where we went to renew our vows. And 
London, there was uh, a moment where the pastor of Jesus House, which is a church in London, fantastic name, isn't it? We're at Jesus House, and they've got three or 4,000 people go to it, so it's a huge church. The pastor there, um, Pastor Agu, said uh, that God is on the move, and he said, we are close to the dam bursting. It's closer than you think. Keep going. And he was talking about renewal and revival. The dam is about to burst. And they were going through all the signs, Greta Thornburg, and all the mad stuff which is happening in the world. And rather than being fearful about it, they were seeing this as prophetic signs that God is on the move, that God is doing something. And so it enables you to reshape your thinking about all of these things and thinking this is exciting, something is happening here and they're seeing this as the start of God moving and the dam is going to burst. And that's not a, you know, a negative thing, it's about God's love and outpouring is just around the corner. So let's pray that into being. So Andy's already explained about Sundays and Tuesdays, so do come this Tuesday, sort of quarter to eight, eight o'clock, and we will be, we'll just simply be discussing and praying together and really chasing after uh, God's heart. I'm recording these sermons hopefully as well so we can start to uh, have an online presence when it comes to our talks and, and if you miss one you're able to catch up uh, um, and uh, hear what's being shared in church. Now, before I talk about saltwater crocodiles, which I'm sure you're really excited about. Are you excited about saltwater crocodiles? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that, that's more enthusiastic than I thought. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, before I talk about them, I just want to talk about the kingdom of God. I just want to do that because I want to put what we're doing into context because it, it is about the kingdom of God or you might want to, you might like Matthew's gospel and think, no, the kingdom of God is the kingdom of heaven. I know you speak like that and I know that's how you think. We want to think about the kingdom of God and kingdom of heaven um, because that is why we're refocusing. We're wanting to refocus so we're starting to understand what the kingdom is doing. And I need to explain that a little bit more, because the kingdom of God, I think, is something which is really important uh, to us as a community. We exist, I think, because we are passionate about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven. Let me remind you, this is the upside-down kingdom. So the least are the most, or the losers are the winners, or the hated are the loved, or the rejected are the accepted, or the sinner is the forgiven, or the prisoner is the one who's free, or those with no chance has every chance. That is what we believe in when we talk about the kingdom of God. We believe Jesus has turned everything on its head, and that turning on its head is still whirring around today, and it's very excited. The kingdom says God has not given up on us. The kingdom of God, or the kingdom of heaven, is simply the place of God's presence, God's love, God's hope, and God's justice. It's broader than that, but I've sucked it down into those things. It's the thing that Jesus spoke about most of all when he did all his speaking and preaching. It's the theme of Jesus. However, when we talk about the kingdom of God and the kingdom of heaven, it's perplexing um, because the kingdom is here, but also there's more to come. So it's here, and there's more. So it becomes confusing. We see glimpses of it, but we don't see it fully. It's like the mirror in 1 Corinthians 13. We see in a mirror dimly. That's the place we are in human history. We know the kingdom of God's there, and we see bits of it, but it's not 
completely in its full glory. Occasionally, in acts of worship or when we receive a sort of a wonderful thing or somebody does something beautiful for us, we actually see it in its fullest and it's almost overpowering. Every time it happens to me, I just cry. The older I get, the more I cry. Is that, is that standard practice that you get older and you cry more? Is that, yeah, that's what's happening. I used to try not to cry at movies. I thought that was uh, the thing to do. I'm lost now, instantly. I, I watch little YouTube nonsense videos and I cry. So something to, I, I might need to go and see a doctor or maybe I'm just getting more of a heart as I get older. So the kingdom of God is exciting. It's something that's exciting and it's something we want more of. So it's one of these interesting things. It says that God's there and there is more to come. So I just want us to reflect as we're sat here is for us as a community what does this mean there's more of the kingdom to come what does that mean for us as we work about our community what does it mean that God wants to and will do infinitely more because that is his kingdom for us as a people or as an individual what does it mean to us when we think about our own walk with God that God hasn't finished with us, with me, yet. Sometimes we feel completely flattened and defeated and completely rubbish. And yet the kingdom says, that isn't the story. I haven't finished yet. There is more. There is much more. And it's terrifically exciting. What does that mean for us? I've already said that Jesus talks loads about the kingdom. Uh, It's quite, if you just go through uh, Matthew's Gospel, you'll see him describe the kingdom as loads of things. The kingdom of heaven, he says, is like a seed, the farmer sows some seeds. He's then more specific and says the kingdom of God is like a mustard seed, and we love mustard seeds here. It's like yeast. It's like treasure. The kingdom of God's like treasure, and you chase after it, and you sell everything you have, and you get this treasure. It's like pearls, and you do the same. You sell everything you have to get these pearls. It's a useful thing to do, you know, and then you can give the pearls to your wife to show her how much you love her. I don't know if that's a problem. I've got to do that now. But uh, it's also described as the kingdom of God is a net, and you go out fishing, and there's loads of fish in the net, different kinds of fish in the net, and it's fantastic. Uh, it's, a, it's also described as the owner of a house. It's the kingdom of God is like the owner of a house, and that house is full of good, old, and new things. That's what the kingdom of God is like. It's a banquet for the outsiders, that, that uh, um, story which has... Uh, changed us and soul food has come from. Jesus wants to be prepared for the kingdom, like the parable of the bridesmaids. You know, there's ten bridesmaids, five had oil, five didn't. He wants us to have the oil. And it's like the servants whose master goes away and leaves them some money to look after, and some of them did well and some of them didn't. We have to be ready uh, for it. Thank you very much. I'm crying here. There's a tension. The kingdom is everywhere. And just uh, seems to grow and grow and do what it does so that's like the mustard seed you put the seed in the ground and it just grows and there's no control over it it just grows and there's a huge tree suddenly appears and it's such a substantial tree people can live in it it's like a big tree house can be formed in it and the kingdoms can grow like that and that's why that's grabbed us as a community because we want to be able to sort of be substantial and be able to help and, and support and be part of the justice which our world needs. And so we love that idea of a tree. But, and that just happens. But also the kingdom is something which is hidden. So it's fully on display there. 
Uh, it's like treasure, and we have to really go and search for it. So we can just sit and let it happen, or we have to be all active and try and find it and then do all we can to get it. It's, a, it's, it's one of these mad things. It reminds me that God will be God, all of this, and he will make mustard seed happen. It will be what it will be, because God will just do it. But also it reminds me that we don't just sit back and let that happen. We become fully invested in it, just as though we're going to buy some treasure. We become really part of it. So Refocus November says we recognise that God will do it. We recognise that God is going to do it. And also it says we are investing in it as it is so precious what is going on. So... This is where saltwater crocodiles... It looks amazing, by the way, what's happening over there. This is where saltwater crocodiles uh, come in. Let me explain uh, to you about saltwater crocodiles. They are huge creatures. We've got some in the background. Look at that. We're going to, just going to whirl around. How long is that? Just come on now. So they should just uh, spin around. I put it on a timer, but whether or not that will work, I, I don't know. But saltwater crocodiles are amazing creatures... They're now my favourite creature. Um, they're very scary and huge, and they will eat you if they have a chance and they're hungry. So, you know, they're not cute and all this type of stuff. So I'm not, I'm not, and I'm certainly not saying that that is what God is. Scare, although he sometimes can be scary, but he's not a scary monster who's going to eat you. So I'm not after that part of their personality. I'm after their sort of more evolved, sensitive side of their personality. You see, saltwater crocodiles have this amazing ability. Uh, they, they sort of end up in swamps and rivers and things like that in Australia uh, and uh, they, they uh, experts have noticed because some people like to tag these animals and see what they do and they noticed that you know if you tag a saltwater crocodile you know within 10 days they can be 400 500 600 kilometers downstream around the corner in the sea and all this type of stuff and and they just couldn't work it out because although in short bursts saltwater crocodiles can move very quickly they, they have to because that's how they survive and they eat things so they have to lunge at things and get get very quickly into them just left to just swim around. They're not particularly fast swimmers. They're not particularly designed just to swim quickly, just in short bursts. How, did, how does a saltwater crocodile move so far? Uh, and it took them a while to work it out. But actually, a saltwater crocodile, left to its own device, is pretty lazy, just wants to be in its little sort of shallow stream, just keeping cool gazelle or something to one by and eat it. I don't know if they eat gazelles, I'm just imagining here. But they want to do all of that kind of stuff and they, they, they're sort of stealthy and other things like that. So there's no way they think, oh yeah, I know, I'm just going to swim 400 kilometres downstream. What they do, though, is they recognise the, the signs. So when the current changes in the stream, they will catch that current and they will just use the current to get them as far as possible as they can. So they're really patient or lazy. Let's call them patient for spiritual exercises. And, uh, but then they've also got this amazing ability to uh, go to loads of loads of places. And for us, I think this says two things for us as a community, why we should be like saltwater crocodiles. We, I think, are called to be patient, to be still. Andy was really kind in letting us be still 
at the start of the service. That's such a precious thing. Many people to be still, just to be still is a beautiful thing. And uh, a saltwater crocodile will just be still and he won't force it or she won't force it. And when it's the right time, they will move. And I think for us as a community, we need to find that sort of space where we can just be still and uh, just, just be there, be invested in our relationship with God, be listening to God, be, be still with each other, talking, discussing, praying together, working it out. But secondly, when the time is right, we go for it. When it's just right, you know, the saltwater crocodile waits until it's just right and then it can launch off and do these huge mileage. So when the current's there, we need to be so aware of the Holy Spirit. We need to educate ourselves and we need to understand this aspect of ministry more. We need to be more open to the Spirit because the Spirit is here. He's here with us now. He'll be ministering to us. It's the invisible thoughts, the things going on inside our hearts. That's the Holy Spirit at work. But we need to be invested in that and we need to see the signs. There needs to be sort of almost prophetic cutting edge to us that we can read the signs and we can move forward. And we can only do that together. It's not just going to be one person standing up and saying, this is the way together we do it as a community because that is what we are so it's it's sort of like the saltwater crocodile reminds me of the ebb and flow of the kingdom sometimes we slow down and at other times uh, we speed up and that's the ebb and flow of the christian life sometimes we find ourselves rapidly growing in christ for some reason and other times it's more frustrating but it sort of ebbs and flows, ebbs and flows. There's waiting, there's preparing, there's getting ready, and then there's going for it and having faith and working together to get it done. And a great example of this is the person who Val wrote about. It's Joseph, the human father of Jesus, uh, the husband of Mary. Because in this passage, I think he displayed salt water crocodile characteristics uh, three times and I'll, I'll go um, over that just now. So we know there's the husband of Mary. One of the things is often this story we heard today uh, gets read sort of like the Sunday after Christmas so many of us miss this story and, and we don't really go into it deeply. And sadly the, na- the, the, the um, nativity narratives just get stored away for Christmas and I think perhaps they have more power outside Christmas as well because we can go into lots of different places with them which uh, Christmas often does, doesn't let us do but he's, he's, he's often overlooked but he is the protector of Jesus we see that so clearly in this, this passage and because he was like a salt water crocodile he enabled Jesus to remain safe and to become the person he grew up to be. Let's look at it more closely. Uh, Jesus was born, but he wasn't born as just some nice, normal baby. He was a, a nice, normal baby as well, but there was a bit more to him because essentially Jesus uh, being uh, it with us it was trouble. And it remained that way all the way through his life. Jesus didn't just have this simple life and you go up to him and you felt blessed and better about yourself. There was tension all the way through his life. 
And you see it here, right at the beginning. Um, Jesus, right from the start, was a threat, says somebody. From birth onwards, someone else has said, reflecting on this story, Jesus makes your life more complicated and more difficult. Following Jesus equals not the easy life, but perhaps the best life. Someone described the story like this. At the heart of the Christmas story is a baby who possesses such a threat to the most powerful uh, man around that he kills a whole village of babies to try and get rid of him. And he will go on to be Lord of the whole world. And this is because of Joseph and how he behaved in this passage. I didn't read part of this passage because we're not really going to reflect on it. But between uh, the first verses we read and the second verses, King Herod uh, went off and killed all the children of Bethlehem. A text of terror. It's right there in, in the script. And Joseph, because of Joseph's saltwater crocodile qualities, he was able to protect Jesus uh, from that. So he was like a saltwater crocodile three times in this passage. And, uh, and when he was like this crocodile, he was able to move a very long way, very quickly. He waited for the signs. And for him, the Holy Spirit spoke to him via angels in his dreams. He'd already had it uh, a few months, well, probably eight or nine months before this, with uh, Mary. Uh, because she had obviously got pregnant, he was going to quietly divorce her, but an angel in his dream came to him and said, no, don't divorce her, because the child she's going to have is going to be exceptional. It's going to be Jesus. Okay. And, uh, but then also uh, we see three times in this uh, passage he had a dream, an angel spoke to him, and he moved first to Egypt, then he moved uh, back into Israel, and then he moved to Nazareth in the thing, all after a dream. It was as if he was aware of God and was able to move in the current of the Holy Spirit uh, to the next uh, uh, place. For us, you know, it's difficult to know what our Holy Spirit, how he speaks to us, current is. It might be we have a feeling. Some of us have feelings. I've got a feeling. I think God is saying we need to go, go that way. For others of us, it's an instinct. It's just me in our guts. We think if we do that, that might be the right thing. Or it could be we just read the Bible and it just comes alive in our hearts. We think, oh, yes, that's, that, that could help us. Or it could be a prayer or conversation uh, which leaves us in a different place. And uh, it could even be just friends encouraging us, seeing stuff in us and urging us on. And one of the most beautiful things uh, we can do is uh, learn and work out how God speaks to us in our lives. And that's what Refocus November is about. How is God speaking to us at the moment as a community? Because when a lot of this we make too individual. We're, we're, we're desperate for our community to be in the place where, where God wants. But one of the outworkings of us is we learn in our own personal lives. How does God speak to us? And how does God move, uh, move us for? Uh, and uh, one of the things I think we have are two problems uh, when it comes to all of this kind of stuff, what I'm talking about today. The first thing, the first problem is we are people who are too much get up and go. We've got too much of that in us. I don't want to, in, in a professional world or in a work world or sports world, having get up and go is the most uh, fantastic uh, thing. But the problem with that is we just try and sort it all out 
ourselves. And it means that we don't need to worry about prayer or making ourselves accountable or listening to anyone. We just think, here's the solution, let's uh, go and do it. And uh, it could be right, and maybe uh, in the past, mainly it has been right, because God has made us so talented, we just sort of instinctively uh, know what to do. But it might mean we're wrong, and we might barge ahead with something which isn't ours to barge ahead with. And we're like a bull in a china shop, so we might get in the shop, but then we might ruin everything. And we need to be careful about that. The second thing, which I dare say is for many of us here, is we're too timid. So we, can't, we think, oh, God can't, can't possibly uh, use me. We, we forget uh, to move. We get bogged down. Uh, it's impossible uh, to, to move because we're, we're paralysed. We think, oh, no, I, I'm not good enough to do that. Or God can't possibly be uh, speaking to me or it's, it's not that. And it's the same for us as a community. We might just have got stuck in a place and we think, no, that's too grand and ambitious for us. That's, that's not God's plan for us. I'm, I'm just quite happy meeting here every Sunday at St. Margaret's. It's nice enough. It's warm and the food's great. It, you know, I, can't, it, I, I don't think God wants anything more. And we lack confidence and we lack courage and we don't end up in the place uh, we need to be. So what ways is God speaking to us at the moment? How, how do we know it's us pushing forward too much? Or how do we know we're lacking courage in all of this? You know, I think these are things we need to think about because we could get lost unless we're, we're care- careful. Uh, unless we're careful. If we are stuck, have we forgotten what is really calling us to in our lives? quickly want to just interview Susan, who we love having here. She's, were you interviewed last week as well, the week before? Yeah. Week before. She's a very good interviewer, so that's why we've uh, asked her back. Welcome, Susan. Thank you. We just love the fact you're here with us. Thank you. What I want to just ask you a little bit is, do you recognise anything I'm saying in your life? Do you, do you recognise that... Um, so you're, you're now a deacon. How, I suppose the, the question is, how did you know that you were meant to be a deacon? Um, first of all, I was baking in my kitchen, and this voice kept coming into my head and saying, serve my people, serve my people, and I thought, where did that come from, and totally ignored it. But over the next weeks, I kept hearing it again and again and again, serve my people, serve my people. And there's actually another Susan Ward lives very close to me, and our lives have paralleled each other for the last 40 years, believe it or not. And I thought, you've got the wrong Susan Ward. It's the other <laughs> Susan Ward. It's not me. Yeah. So would you classify yourself as the more timid Definitely. In, in the timid. T- yes. So what happened then? So God is saying, do this. What did you do? I ran that direction. God wanted me to go that direction. But eventually... So why did you run, run that direction? Because I didn't think I was good enough. I didn't think God could possibly want me to do something. Mm-hmm. So what changed then? I then got, had this hand on my back and it really felt as though somebody was pushing me to the point where I would actually look around and think, who is pushing me? And it wasn't. And then it began to dawn on me that maybe it was God was doing the pushing. And so I started praying to God and saying, 
if you want me to, to do something for you, please can you show me where it is you want me to go? And eventually I began to realise that God wanted me to do something for him and it was to help people. Okay, so that's very nice, to help people. Why are you wearing a dog collar then? Because somebody who's not spent two years trying to persuade me that this was the direction that we had to go. <laughs> and she was very good indeed, and it clearly is. So we love having you here. Thank you that you stopped being timid and you answered what God has got in store for you. And like a saltwater crocodile, you've come miles and miles. So uh -huh. it's wonderful to have you here. Yeah. But it's, God bless. It's not just... Receive it. I got where I am because of a lot of other people, and but mainly because I learned to trust that God wanted me to do something for him. And I let, like the crocodile, just let myself float along. Yeah. I thought of another sermon series called Maradona, the hand of God. <laughs> so the hand of God pushed you, but also it's the community as well. Anyway, that was rubbish. Sorry about that joke. But you were, you were fantastic. <laughs> so there's two things we might need to do as we've walked along, as we've listened today, as we thought about it, as we think about uh, Joseph and his way of being able to hear God and move, is we might need to repent. We might need to say, sorry, sorry. Uh, We've, uh, we've been impetuous and we've moved far ahead of God in a time which wasn't our time to move in and we've forgotten to wait. And we might need to say sorry about that and reload and go forward. The great thing about Christianity is God does reconfigure and re-get it going. It won't be a disaster forever. It will feel hard initially, but then it will change. And the second thing is, like Susan, we need to find... Courage. We need to do the opposite of our normal timidity and ask for courage. I like the idea of Peter getting out of the boat uh, and walking on water. If we want to walk on water, there was a book title. If you want to walk on water, you've just got to get out of the boat. And it, it's like that's something we need to work. But we can only do it when Jesus calls us over. We can't do it if Jesus isn't there. We can do miraculous things with Jesus and his prompting on our own. They might be pretty good because I know some of us here are amazing on our own but with Jesus it becomes uh, turbocharged if you like. Joseph had learned that dreams and angels are important in his life and that's how God rolled it out for him. Uh, he'd already we said and then he'd learned to trust through God through that dream and he'd learned He'd gotten the instincts for doing it. Nick Cave, uh, Jenny keeps on playing this fantastic Nick Cave uh, song, a profound song uh, called Into My Arms. Recommend it just, just to go and listen to a genius at work. And uh, he starts the song off. This is a typical Nick Cave. I don't believe in an interventionist God. You know, how many song, songs have you heard which start off with a line like that? And then it's sort of as if he works out. This is my take on it. If you're a proper uh, music critic, you might take another view. But it's sort of, to me, it's then him trying to work out what would it mean if he did believe in an interventionist God? What type of things uh, would he do? I must be say, all of this I'm saying, speaking to like this is, because as much as I love Nick Cave, I, 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 I do believe in an interventionist God. And um, I like Joseph, and I like saltwater crocodiles, and I like the fact that God can sort of uh, prompt us 
and move us forward and that he can build up something and he can build up energy. And the saltwater crocodile knows the currents and the streams of water and then just knows instinctively when uh, to move. I believe we're not on our own. I completely believe that. I wouldn't be doing uh, church ministry unless I, I believe it because I believe God and trust that God is with us. We might not get it right all the time, and you know I don't get it right. I'm, I'm a hopeless failure in many things. But as we grow and develop uh, the relationship with God, we might just start to understand. So refocus is us being together and encouraging each other in our joint journeys, our individual journeys, our journeys together, our journeys as mustard seed. And Joseph had a sense of the interventions which moved him forward. He needed them because Jesus was born with this price on his head. A dangerous Jesus was born in a dark place. And he needed, Joseph needed a sense of light. And Jesus was born as this homeless refugee. And Joseph needed to live by his wits. He needed God's encouragement to keep it going. As someone has said, learning the God prompts is learning how God liberates the whole world. Learning the God prompts is learning how God liberates the whole world. Just imagine all the chaos for Joseph. Joseph born, Jesus, sorry, all the chaos for Joseph because his son Jesus was born into homelessness. Just imagine having to deal with that. We see the refugees on the news in Syria. Just imagine having to live like that. Just imagine the suffering in trying to work out where to stay, the uncertainty, the political chaos. Just imagine the death all around you. And Joseph had to navigate that with his family. It was emotionally charged and difficult. And Jesus needed a father, Joseph, who was mature enough to know God's prompting in these chaotic and difficult places he had to leave. And then he had... Three times, God moving in his life, as I already said. Return, the run to Egypt, the knowledge that he had to return home, and then the ability to choose a safe place for Jesus to live and grow up. Through these interventions of God in his life, he was able to travel absolutely miles. He was a salt water crocodile. On our conference last week, I was reminded uh, about Kairos Moments. Jenny and I heard a brilliant story about a cafe in Northern Ireland, uh, which uh, part of their story is Kairos Moments, you know, uh, the right and critical time to do something. And these guys were living in Kairos Moments. They were moments of clarity for them, uh, which God gave them, moments which encouraged them to actually give up pretty good jobs and start a very uh, chaotic, join a very chaotic business and start a, a cafe. And it, these, ca- these move- movements gave them vision and they created something beautiful for God. And they had moments of insight. Some of it was prophetic uh, because people said, we think you should do this. Some of them was about shalom because everything fell into place. There was peace as things moved forward. And some of it was involving energy because they suddenly had energy to go and do uh, this new thing. This was Joseph's Kairos time. And living uh, uh, these Kairos moments, he was able to change the world and kept Jesus safe. So friends, this 
Today, this time, is a call for us to live in the power of God and recognise those moments of his in our lives. This is a time to understand we're not on our own, but the kingdom and God's presence and the Holy Spirit is all around. I don't quite understand it all, but it is. And it's within us and all about us. We are loved and cared for. We are spiritual beings and we have all the power and all the wisdom and all the courage and all of what we need to be in God. We have all of that. But all of this involves us investing in our connections with God. Elijah, a few centuries before uh, Joseph, was a great uh, prophet and he just had the time of his life on Mount Carmel and defeated all his enemies. He's had all his success and the result of that was he became heavily, heavily depressed. He'd had success and he became depressed. And, uh, but God said to him that he would meet him. If, if you want to read the story, it's in 1 Kings 19. And we read of God meeting him and we read him not meeting him in power but in gentleness. So it wasn't in the wind and it wasn't in the earthquake and it wasn't in the fire. It was just the quiet, gentle voice that God met him. It was a whisper that God was with him and it encouraged Elijah and helped him to move forward out of his depression. For Joseph, the voice was a dream. How about us? What is it for us? Mustard seed is just really fragments of dreams, of small voices coming together. It's not just some nice people doing lovely things together. It's not just some church that is kind and welcoming. It's so much more. But what is the more? What dreams are God giving us now to move forward? What is he saying to us? I know that we're not to settle yet. I know for some of us it's hard to be a part of this. I know many of us are journeying through hard and complex things and we're just hanging on. I know though also that we're not finished yet. So my saltwater crocodile friends, what is it that God is speaking over us today? What's he whispering into your life? And what dreams is he wanting you to dream? There is more for us, there is more for you. Let's refocus and use this Kairos moment, this time once again. Let it be all about God and his passion, his calling, his Holy Spirit, his hope, his justice. And together, let's speak about our dreams, whispers, how we see things. And let's try and be a people completely open to God, his love, his peace. And let's completely be vulnerable in front of his power so he can lead us to the place we need to be. And I bet you it will involve freedom. I bet you it will have hope in it. I'm certain there'll be justice there. But most of all, I know that love will be the crowning thing. Let's go for it. Andy. Thanks very much, Rich. Uh, we're going to share uh, communion and a short bit.